Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, another podcasting week. I love podcasting. Thank you for being here today with me. Today's guest is Lana. I will let you introduce yourself. Um, but let's just say for the audience sake, and actually I didn't, I didn't tell you this before. I did have a guest. Do you know Sherry Price from the Life Coach School? I don't know. Sherry Price did an episode probably a year ago. Um, and she works with, uh, stop, like, I think her program's called Stop Over Drinking. So not like stop drinking completely. Sometimes that's the case, but like stop over drinking. So that's definitely in the category of which I hope our conversation will lead, um, which is buffering. And you have personal and professional experience around talking about buffering. So that's, I think that's the only time on a podcast episode I've really had an in-depth conversation about like people are already like what are you talking about what's buffering (laughs) so we'll get there but like I think I haven't really talked about it a whole lot on the podcast so I'm excited to to just hash it out with you and talk about how we manage our feelings and how we manage our life circumstances so before that why don't you introduce yourself um in whatever way feels right for the podcast today Awesome. Well, first I'm honored that you'd invite me to join you on your podcast. Cause I know it's such a awesome topic that needs to be talked about. Um, and so many of us women are just wanting to know that we're going to be okay, regardless of yeah. what route we take in our lives. And, um, so a little bit about me, my name is, you said Lana, I live in Chicago. I'm a graduate of the life coach school and I serve women who wanted to have children and went through fertility treatments to try to have children, but couldn't. Yeah. And that, um, I guess I'd say exploration in my life and that journey in my life really left me when I couldn't, when I found out that I couldn't have children, I found out how much buffering I was doing with my life to avoid feeling the feelings of shame I had because I couldn't have a child, um, feelings of inadequacy because I wasn't like the women around me that were having baby showers and doing all the things, picking out strollers. So I would just avoid feeling those feelings. And, um, I think weight gain was a big thing for me too. It's a part of when you go through fertility treatments, you'd get a lot of drugs and hormones and all these things that cause weight gain. And for years following my treatments, I just was holding on to that excuse Mm -hmm. of weight gain on the medications versus the fact that I was really in a dark place and food was the thing that allowed me to feel comfort. So Mm. the fact that I was doing all those things and didn't even know that there was a term for it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it was, uh, 
it was really a light bulb moment when I was presented with the topic of buffering. And in the beginning, I would say it's easy to say, oh, that that's not why I do it. Yeah. And really what buffering is, is looking for something outside of you, something that you can go to, to avoid feeling a feeling or having a thought that you're having that makes you feel discomfort. So you divert your attention and you divert yourself from that really shitty thought and say, oh, but I'll have a cocktail now. And I'm just going to focus on opening that bottle of wine, pouring the glass of wine, feeling how great it, it tastes to go down. And then that will take me away from that feeling that I was having. I forget if you told me this when we chatted before, um, did you, how did you find the life coach school? I was it related to this, this idea of like eating away your feelings or shopping away your feelings or like, I don't remember what you said, how you landed in the life coach school. I uh, gained um, a significant amount of weight for me and I had been in Weight Watchers. I tried Whole30, Keto, all those things. And I would be great. I'd lose my weight. And then the minute I stopped following the plan and following the day-by-day or weighing my food, I would gain my weight back. Mm-hmm. And then I found uh, Corinne Crabtree, who right. is a graduate of the Life Coach School. And I didn't honestly didn't even realize she was a life coach. She never really talks about that. Yeah. But just her process of asking yourself, why are you going for food? What are you trying to solve with food? How is yeah. food going to make your day feel better or the feeling of inadequacy or loneliness seem less to you by going for this item on a plate. So that's how I was exposed to the life coach school because, um, of the results I saw becoming part of her membership. And, um, yeah, so I started just getting in tune with the life coach school and within four months, I signed up to become certified and there's no looking back. (laughs) Did you think when you joined certification that you would go into weight related coaching or did you know that like serving and speaking to um, infertility struggle was going to be where you landed? I knew that I wanted to serve women in the infertility space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I think it's something that is very overlooked. Women just, um, yeah. we kind of cocoon ourselves because we judge ourselves a lot for, you know, mm-hmm. did I wait too long to start trying? Should I not have been on birth control? You know, like all the things that yep. we point our fingers at that we should have not done to yeah. put ourselves in this place. So, um, I would say that for me, the eating and the shopping were probably my biggest things that I was seeing as buffering in my life. And I'm finding that pretty common with the clients that I serve too. Yeah. Especially so shopping. Ha- <laughs> yeah. What happens, like, I don't feel, I feel like we haven't totally described this is like, we're feeling a feeling like shame doesn't feel in our, good in our bodies. And we know we can get like a dopamine hit 
from something else, shopping, eating, like we can feel something else if we attach to alcohol, porn, shopping, Netflix, right? Like we can escape, (laughs) I say hesitantly, but avoid that feeling we don't like. Guilt, shame, embarrassment, grief, um, whatever it is. And so what point in your infertility journey, was it because of Corinne's program that you even put it together? Like I've been doing this because of the infertility loss? Or like, like where, how did you know you were doing it? Cause you mentioned this earlier. You were like, we don't even realize we're doing it or we deny that we're doing it. I think I realized um, probably once I got into CCP, the depth of oh, where else okay. it was showing up in my life. Yes. Because we, we really got in depth, you know, during our training on how to, understand what it is and why we do it. And I think it was just an easy diversion of attention for me to stop thinking about myself. So not only to try to feel better, but really to just busy myself. I mean, I know some of us, we buffer with work. We think, oh, if I work more, I'll be busy more and I'll have less time to focus on the things in my life that I have to look at when I'm not in front of my computer screen or not Mm. on a zoom call or whatever. So, uh, I would say that I probably became more aware of how widely it opened up many different avenues in my life. And I think my first reaction was, well, if I don't do these things, like what the hell am I going to do with my life? Like, yeah. am I not supposed to shop? Am I not supposed to eat cupcakes? Right. Am I not supposed to you know, have cocktails or whatever the case is? And it's just even the ability to become aware of when you're doing it yeah, and deciding at that point, no, I just want to have a glass of wine. Yeah, I just, I want to, I want to purposefully eat a cupcake. I'm not eating a cupcake because I feel lonely and alone right now. Yes. So the great thing is, because at first when I heard about buffering, I thought, oh my gosh, my life's going to be boring because I can't do all these things that I enjoy doing at times in my life. So that's the good news. Mm -hmm. You don't have to stop. (laughs) I think there's two things we do. One is feel a feeling, don't like it, look for a quick, like a quick fix change of state. And that's one of the reasons we'll choose some other activity. But another one that I feel like probably comes up as much, particularly in infertility, and perhaps even with some of my audience after their abortions, is like this thing happens. Maybe we lost a, a loved one or a job, or we we move to a new place, and there's all this new space. Like if I'm not going to have a, if I can't have a baby the way I plan to have a baby, now I have all this space. What do I fill it with? So there's like the wanting to do the like quick change of state, but then there's also like not being okay with like the unknown of the space and just like filling it in. I know I'll fill it in with shopping. I'll fill it in with partying. I'll fill it in with Netflix. 
I was just listening to Brooke's episode about board. I think it's called board choices. And like filling in that boredom is what I keep imagining. Like when we have a loss, like the fertility journey and that like an infertility journey, I'm like, what am I going to do with all this space? You so hit the nail on the head because at least for me, I thought, well, I'll be a mom. And you know, that covers off the next 50 years, you know, being a grandparent or, you know, all these things, you like, after work, I'll do this and this. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, what? And so the good news for me is, is it really as hard as those times are when you feel like you have so much time to do nothing or try to, you know, fill your time, as you mentioned, I've gotten to the point where I just write down the things as crazy and as unattainable as they may seem. I just have allowed myself to not judge writing those things down and just dreaming about the possibilities, Mm. dreaming about where I'd want to live in the future, dreaming what my house would look like, dreaming the relationships that I would have and the people I would surround myself with. And then it got me to realize that I never even asked myself if I wanted to be a mom. I just assumed that I was born female and you pop out a kid. That's what you do. And I realized that had I become a mom, I never would have granted myself the opportunity to really explore who I want to be and the life that I want to live. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that I don't wonder what my life would have been like or mm-hmm. what a child would have felt like or, you know, the nurturing aspect of that. But I feel like at a place of peace that I can start to dream again. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I work a lot with with my clients is learning to love your life again. Cause you just, you feel like you can't dream because you just don't have this thing that you thought was supposed to complete you. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a perspective shift that happens, right? That you let yourself see. I just posted about this on Instagram. It's how it always works, right? You let yourself see that space as opportunity instead of a whole like I think most of us have like we lose something an a future an identity a child or whatever a pregnancy and we see it as this like deep dark scary hole and we can also like you said see it as just a journal page where you can write down like how could this be I okay, I'm not going to have that pregnancy. What could I have instead? What? So there's this like willingness to shift your perspective and not be attached. I feel like (laughs) not like force yourself to live in the opportunity and be positive, but just like, okay, I'm just going to let myself write down any possibilities. One possibility, I could stay in bed and cry for the next 10 years. Another possibility, I could go back to school. 
and just like let it all be there and then follow where you're led to go. That's so true. And I also think, yeah, I put myself in, okay, the people out there that I know are moms. It's not like you have a kid and all of a sudden you stop achieving in your life. You just, that's one milestone that you attained in your life. And so when I started thinking about my life as not being a mom, as being the dead end in the road, but as where the forks then can kind of take you. And I was like, you know, there's tons of people I know who are moms that have achieved so much after having a child. And so all just because I couldn't, why do I have this roadblock up that there's not this amazing world in front of me that's just waiting to be discovered? Yeah. So it was, it took a, it really took some time to just sit there and, uh, and be comfortable with allowing myself to dream and imagine. And really, I think the biggest part was not judging myself. Mm-hmm. It was easy for me to be like, I mean, who thinks those thoughts or who would ever believe that you could X, Y, or Z, you know? Yeah. And I think as, as humans, we just do that. We stop ourselves from dreaming of the possibilities because it just doesn't seem attainable in this present moment. Yeah. Or like somehow you spoke earlier about, you know, how is it my fault? I ruined my opportunity. I waited too long to try to get pregnant or I chose abortion when I should have kept the baby. Like so many stories we get stuck in, in our heads. Um, and just, yeah, recognizing they're all optional. Yeah. They feel really real but we can change them. We're in control. Yes. And there's just so much out there for us that we never lean into because Mm -hmm. not only does it seem not available to us, but it seems I, at least in my story, like I felt scared because I thought, well, if I couldn't achieve motherhood, I sure as hell can't mess up and not achieve something else in my life, because that was such a monumental thing for me to just say, oh, well, I can't fail another thing. Is that almost like, yeah, I can't fail another thing. And, um, I feel like a lot of my listeners have this, well, I chose that I chose abortion. So now I need to make up for it and do something else. Amazing to like prove that I'm worthy. Yes, I would say. Yeah. And that's where, at least for me, the buffering came in where I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be a mom, I better be the best dressed person in the room. Or yeah. I bet I best be the, I best be the person that when I walk into a room, people are like, oh my gosh, her life is amazing. That's what yeah. I want to be like. Cause I can't be a mom, you know, yeah. like, because people would look at me, like, I thought if, if I if I was somebody that could cause envy, yeah, it was just this like crazy convoluted thing yeah. that I felt like I needed to show up as this stoic rock who everyone yeah. would be like, oh my gosh, if I didn't have kids, my life would be that awesome. And wow. it was, such, it was so fake really. Yeah. yeah. And so I'd spend all this money on 
and buffer by shopping and buying expensive things that made me feel important, I would say. Mm. So, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have or can't have nice things, but I was seeing how I was trying to replace my discomfort and my unhappiness with designer items or, you know, things that I thought successful people only had. If I can't feel important that way as a mom, then I'll feel important this way as the envy of the party or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's probably something a lot of people can relate to, but haven't found the words for. Yeah. There's yeah. I was just going to say with buffering, there's just, there's just little sneaky moments and they don't ever go away. But the biggest grace I've been able to show myself is recognizing when they show up and just not judging myself over it and just mm-hmm. being like, okay, that's interesting. And that doesn't mean I'm going to like set the drink down and leave, you know, the bar. It just, I recognize like maybe I'm having this drink and it's not exactly what I want to do. So I would say step one is just even feeling comfortable with recognizing when it comes up for you. Yeah. Okay. Keep going though. Cause (laughs) okay. Step one is noticing that it's happening. Notice or even like maybe step one is reflecting back, like not noticing in the moment, but reflecting back and being like, Oh, I did that. Step two is maybe noticing in the moment. (laughs) And then what happens if you notice in the moment and are like thoughtful enough, I don't, I can't find the right word, are present enough to be able to do something? What do you do in that moment? Well, I could give you an example. I was out with some girlfriends um, last weekend and everyone, you know, it was, you know, a couple of bottles of wine here and there. And I noticed I was just drinking wine because it was there and it was on the table and I was with my girls and that's what, you know, that's what we do. And so I just, I took notice of it. And then I ordered a sparkling water. Like when the server came back around, cause I was kind of like, why am I drinking this? It's not really what I want. I don't want to be hung over in the morning. I'm just drinking this to kind of feel part of the crowd and fit in, if you will, which I would say is probably another buffering thing. Cause if you're not drinking, I mean, imagine yourself out with your friends and you don't have a drink. They're like, what's wrong with you? Is everything okay? You know, in, in younger years, you know, I'm kind of past that point, but people are like, are you pregnant? Is that why you're not drinking? And you're kind of like, no, maybe I just don't want to drink. So I would say being able to recognize it and changing your course of action or not, but I've gotten pretty good at realizing like, I just don't want to be hung over anymore. So I'm just not going to drink anymore. Yeah. I think that's definitely, that's like, that to me feels like the even more evolved way. (laughs) Again, words are so funny. I don't know if evolved is the right word, but I think sometimes we notice like, oh, I'm drinking based on habit. I don't want to be drinking based on habit, but if I'm not drinking, this is where I'm going to have to feel. So like, I have to allow myself, I guess what I'm saying is when you told that story, you went from like realizing you were drinking from habit 
to recognizing you didn't want it and being okay with that by ordering sparkling water. But sometimes don't we like make the decision and then we're not okay. We're sitting at the table feeling shame and embarrassment or like disappointment or whatever. What do we do when that feeling is still, the yucky feeling we don't want is still really strong, but we also don't want to be hungover in the morning. Am I making any sense? You are. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, it's weird because when you get used to becoming aware of, of your buffers, at least for me that, you know, I still do things that I know are buffering and try not to judge myself. Yeah. But then I do, I may, I've made a commitment to myself. I'm going to get curious about why I continued Yeah. and try to learn from there. And that doesn't mean stop it from happening, but just be like, what was coming up for me? What, what about that situation was sticky? What was I feeling? What was I kind of mentally going through or what discomfort was I having? And I'll notice myself do it and think myself through this and kind of like go through my mind, like, okay, what's going on? What am I, what am I trying to avoid that this cupcake's going to solve? And I still may eat that damn cupcake, (laughs) but I don't, I've made, I've just made a commitment to myself that I'll just be a little bit more curious about it. Yeah. Cause I also think if we, if we tell ourselves, we've got to just like stop it right there, head on, we, we forget to just be human. You know, it's almost like yeah. we think we've got to be this perfectly tame creature and we're just not. Yeah. And I think too, we can just sit at the table and be curious about our shame too. Like instead of sitting with the drink, we can just be like, Oh, I'm feeling some shame. Like, what does that feel like? Is that, can I let that happen? Can I allow that feeling to move through me? Can I be with it long enough that it moves through me or before it moves through me, do I need to grab the drink or pour the drink or leave the situation and go shopping (laughs) or whatever. But like, I think there's just this piece of like letting yourself feel. And if like, we think we're not supposed to feel a moment of sadness when we're when we're out drinking with friends, but like, what if it's okay? What if we just let ourselves feel that moment of sadness? And if our friends say, are you okay? And we could just be like, nope, having a moment but I'll be back. <laughs> just, just give me a moment. I'll be right back. Like we're so afraid to feel in front of other people. True. And there's an episode, gosh, I, I don't exactly remember where I picked this up. I believe it was from Brooke on one of the life coach school podcasts about when you surround yourself with people that you're used to t- partaking in certain activities with and you're not doing that activity, but everyone else is, Yeah, you start to understand like, what's your friendship based on? Is your friendship based on the bottle of wine and sharing in that? Or is it the years you've spent together or the memories you have together or the future plans that you want to create together? And I have found that as I've become more aware of my buffering, my relationships with people, like 
the people that I have true connections with have gone even for me deeper. They might not know it or they might not feel it, but I know, I feel like I'm so much more in tune with the people I'm surrounding myself Mm -hmm. with because I'm like tapped in on the Mm -hmm. moment versus how many plates of pasta are in front of us or, you know, are we getting pizza with truffle mushroom? You know, I was just so focused on all that type of stuff that I forgot to really remember why I was friends and interacting with these people. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like you're choosing that moment to, to be curious about how much you love them Mm -hmm. and how much you love being there and how much you love the opportunity to go out and all the things. I love that. Yeah. So it's been really a gift for me to understand what buffering is and where it shows up for me. Yeah. Is there anything, any parallels between, I did have another episode um, with someone who, who talked a lot about her infertility journey and the parallels between abortion healing and just like acceptance of your reproductive journey, whatever it looks like. Is there anything in that realm or that you came feeling like you wanted to make sure you shared? Well, I think whether you're part of creating life or, you know, maybe choosing not to bring life into this world, there's a lot of judgment that we have for ourselves, but I think we also get inundated with judgment from others. Mm -hmm. So there's a subset of people who don't think it's right to create a child. Right. And people who think it's terrible that you have frozen embryos and you have these potential children that aren't being Mm -hmm. utilized. And so I think there's a lot of personal judgment too, that I encountered. And I don't think we talked about that on that episode. It's a really interesting point. Yeah, there's, um, there's definitely, I, you know, almost probably weekly, you'll see things. If I guess, if you look for it, maybe you'll see it, but where people are talking terrible things about people going through fertility treatments, because you have these, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see them, but you have these children in a freezer who are potential lives that you are going to discard if you can't use all of your children in the freezer. Right. <laughs> it sounds right. like a horror movie almost, but, um, or but even I the think- judgment around, like, if you were meant to ha- like, so for us, it's like, well, you got pregnant, you were meant to have a kid. That's God's will. And then the opposite is like, well, you didn't get pregnant. You weren't meant to have a kid. That's God's will. Like, I, I yeah. don't know that I thought about it that way. Yeah. Like you're forcing yeah. something on that wasn't meant for you. Yeah. So I think that to me, I see that as a huge parallel, um, of probably feelings of, of self judgment and maybe some shame in there too, that how dare I, how dare I try to be a mom. So, um, but you know, the biggest thing that I've taken away just from working with a life coach and understanding that I'm in charge of my thoughts is 
not looking at someone with judgment, but just having love for their story. Yeah. So the fact that I couldn't have my child, I would never look at somebody who had an abortion and think they're an awful person that could have been my child. That could have been me because we all have the, the need to believe in our story and believe in our why. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to have thought work and have life coaches and examples in our lives of people that tell us it's just okay to do what you want to do. Yeah. One of my favorite thoughts is um, that opinion gets to exist in the world. (laughs) That's a good one. Okay. That opinion gets to exist in the world. And then you can just change that to like that story. That story gets to be what it is. Right. My story was abortion. Your story was infertility. Like you don't have to love it. You embrace it. Just kind of accept that it's there and let it be like, don't get all wrapped up in it. And the fact that you're having a child or not doesn't define who you are as Lana or as Amanda. Yeah. Those are just added things Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. And some people could see motherhood as a buffer, you know, let's, let's not get too deep in there, (laughs) but you know, is, are you losing the ability to focus on yourself and your wants and your needs and your dreams because you're like, Oh, I can't. Cause I'm a mom. Yeah. One of my other new one, another new favorite question. Um, that another coach shared recently was what am I trying not to know? And if I had carried that pregnancy, because mine would have been my fourth child, had it come to term. But if I had carried that pregnancy, which felt easier than choosing abortion at the time, I would have been trying not to know that it wasn't what I was supposed to do. Right? Like, what are you trying not to know? Such a fascinating question. Yeah. Well, and, and my that podcast... applies to buffering too, right? Like, yeah, I'm just going to drink or I'm just going to watch Netflix or I'm just going to go shopping because I'm trying not to know that I'm sad, that mm-hmm. I'm grieving or whatever it is, or that I don't want to be in this relationship or that I thought I wanted kids, but I actually don't, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah there's a whole, um, I had an episode some, I don't know, months back about the embryo that I had tested. Cause you know, for those that don't know, when you go through fertility treatments and you try to bank up these embryos and then you get them tested to see if they're chromosomally normal to then result in having a pregnancy. So that's where a lot of other, you know, judgment comes in from third party groups, I should say. And, um, the one I had one embryo and they tested it and it was chromosomally abnormal. Mm. And I talked about that on my podcast and I got some heat from some people. Yeah. Wow. And, but it was my doctor who said it would probably never go to full term. So it was, it was, you know, a decision that I was taking from my medical provider who knows a hell of a lot about this more than I do. And 
I remember feeling like I needed to defend myself for taking the advice of my doctor. Right. And that's where you can just be like, that opinion gets to exist in the world. Cause we yeah. want to be like, I need to teach them. I need to show them. I need to prove. And it's just like, just going to let that one sit there. <laughs> I feel like I've had to do a lot of that in, in putting myself out there with the word abortion attached anywhere. It's just like, you do you, yeah. you're going to keep doing me. <laughs> but I love that we yeah. have the options as women to decide which direction we want to go. And I hope that never changes. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Where, so what's the name of your podcast? It's called the So Now What podcast. We'll link to it too. And Thanks. is there a social media platform or website you like people to find you at? Uh, Stitch Coaching, S-T-I-T-C-H Coaching. That's my Instagram handle and then stitchcoaching.com. Perfect. But thanks, Amanda. And yeah, I love that you so um, you're a light for your, for your clients and for the people that listen to you. Same to you. I love, yeah. I love knowing amazing people that I can just refer out to. It's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.